0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris-style podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Orr and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome
2: to another episode of the Family Feud podcast. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined by Shotgun Spratling. And cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino. We have a fun show for you guys today. We actually, behind the curtain, we're splitting this up into two separate podcasts. We're going to have a football podcast and a basketball podcast. This episode is going to be talking about USC's Pro Day and Spring Camp. It's right around the corner, guys. I'm so excited. It sounds like we might be able to to lit. Listen, watch, watch the spring camp. There's things to listen to, too. True. Some trash talk. Love that. So I'm excited for that. We'll preview that. Our biggest questions heading into spring camp. And of course, we're going to hear some take it or leave it from Miss (laughs) Miss. I'm so sorry, Chris.
0: (laughs) You do call me Chrissy T. so maybe that. Hey. The bearded lady over here. And just a quick note on curtains. I love whipping open curtains because you never know where you're going to get behind those. It's like a surprise (laughs) thing, like. No one ever whips. Okay. <laughs> just whip open curtains. <laughs> Let's make a deal style. What's behind curtain number one? Yeah, yeah. Some, but like violently. Like. <laughs> you never know what's behind a curtain. You just be someone standing there on the other side. You never know. True. Visual bit.
2: Visual bit at the top. Well done, Mr. Christovino. But like I was saying, we're going to have uh, Mr. Christovino's take or leave it segment. And then also we'll have like a quick take version of our basketball takes. Probably we'll go out after the football pod, So stay tuned for that. As a reminder, you guys can follow us wherever you get your podcast. Like Ryan says on the Parastyle podcast, if you want to leave, leave us a five star rating, that really helps out the show. Uh, You can also send us your questions or submissions to the pod at familyfeedpod at gmail.com. Also look for a tweet from Shotgun Spratling. And speaking of the timing of the tweet, a.k.a. when we record episodes, that's kind of up in the air right now. Shotgun has 92 million sports he's covering in spring, and so we're kind of fluctuating around his schedule. Also with spring ball coming back there's a lot of things we have to work around. So, just uh, our pod schedule might be a little weird, but we're still going to try and produce pods for y'all, uh, hopefully, every week. So, just stay tuned for that.
0: Yeah, be on the lookout for uh, uh, Shotgun's uh, USC Racquetball Club uh, <laughs> spring preview. That's coming out soon. So, uh, check that on the P. You know, the intramural uh, teams are. It are gets doing hot. It <laughs> gets hot. There's stuff to cover, a lot of stuff going on.
2: Lots to do before we dive into the podcast. Just want to thank our sponsor, our real sponsor of the podcast, Trader Joe's. Now, last time we were sponsored by Trader Joe's, Chris, you talked about a bold new venture. You were going to start with some items and report back to us how it tasted. Please tell us. Well,
0: to give credit to my fellow Helium Boy, Shotgun was the one who <laughs> actually threw out the idea because I love the uh, the hash brown patties. The cylinder looking hash brown patty so we thought maybe cylinder i don't i'm not good it's at patty. geometry it. it's, it's okay. like a it's Oval. like you take the ovals and we use them as the bread for a sandwich like a breakfast sandwich so i made a little le- egg omelet put it between these two delicious uh potato pillows and i ate it i put some ketchup in the middle i went all in on this <laughs> and boy was it greasy Mm. but boy was it delicious i'm sure <laughs> I'm i sure. highly recommend for anyone who wants this give it a try i might add some bacon a little trader joe's bacon next time oh but do you add the bacon to the omelet or I think on top a, of the i think it's his own strips i think you get mm. the strips on top of the of the egg you put it in for a little crunch because it is it needs a little bit more texture just because mm. the the you know, you just got to get those patties really crispy, but highly recommend it. Can you I put it in it. the
2: patty, the bacon strips?
0: No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. Okay. I didn't know like how that. thick the oval no, 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 was. No, no, You got to. It's, it's not that thick.
2: Okay. Well, thank you for the Trader Joe's review. Science experiment, if you will, Chris. Very enlightening.
0: Culinary experience.
2: Culinary adventure.
0: Yeah, there you go. There we go.
2: Alrighty, Like I said, USC had Part one of it's Pro Day on Monday. We're filming today on a Tuesday, so we got to see the interview portion. We heard from Seven Trojans and Clay Helton. It was pretty much a presser blitz for us. We heard from Jay Tufele, uh, Elijah Griffin, Am- Amon Ross, St. Brown, Tyler Vaughn, Talanoa Hufunga, Marlon tui Elijah Ver Tucker, uh, and then, of course, like I said, head coach Clay Helton. So I guess first off, I mean, we- Shaka, and you and I talked about it on Instant Analysis. If you guys want a full breakdown, you can go there too if you want. But overall thoughts from part one of Pro Day.
1: The first thing I want to say is I really like this setup better just because on Pro Day itself, when the players are, are finishing and you know, I, I go back to the Sam Darnold year, Sam Darnold was the last one basically out there. So you're trying to watch him while some players are coming off and you feel like you missed out on guys a little bit that you may have wanted to talk to, but you need to watch Sam Darnold because the Jets are there to watch Sam Darnold. The Browns are there, so you, you feel like you have to. It starts raining. Everything changes. So I really kind of like this, even though it's, you know, because of COVID, just the fact we got everyone in a consistent, you know, um, pattern, you know, on, on the Zoom calls and being able to talk to them all and hear what they had to say. You know, I think the the biggest takeaway for me is Jay Tefele. Yeah. He just he sounds different. You know, from looking at his social media posts, he looks different. His body has been transformed. He's just much more mature than he was a year and a half ago when we last saw him on the football field. And I think that's a great sign for him that he can go. And I don't know where he's gonna go in the draft. I think he's a big enigma as far as the draft because I think he could show out tomorrow and have really good numbers and maybe boost himself way up a board, or maybe he slept on a little bit and doesn't, but I think he's gonna go in the NFL and make an impact um just from the way he's matured and the fact that he was already an explosive player the biggest issue was a little bit of consistency you would see some plays and then he would disappear for a little bit i think with the things that he's worked on and talked about the fact that he said he's been working on his core and the the reason why he said he was working on his core is because a coach told you know one of his coaches one of his trainers said if you're not, if you're just not tired, you're gonna make so many more plays. And he really took that to heart. And it, you know he's been studying Aaron Donald. And you watch Aaron Donald, and that's one of the things is, a lot of defensive tackles they have to leave the game and come back in, in and out. Now you want to rotate those guys, obviously, to keep them more fresh, but. He is going to go into the NFL, and I think he's going to be able to make an impact and make a consistent impact. So I'm really high on Jay Tefele based off of a, of a conversation with him, not seeing him produce anything, which is which is kind of rare to, to do it. But I think just seeing him and knowing where he's come from from four years ago when he yeah. signed with USC or however long ago it was, I think he's just taken tremendous strides. And that's what you really hope to see from players when they go to college, is just seeing that maturity, that development, and becoming – You know, he talked about when he made the decision, he realized, I've now got to become, I'm no longer a college player. I'm not playing college football anymore. I'm a professional. I've got to act like it. I've got to train like it. And he seems to be putting in all the right work. And, you know, I'm curious to see what numbers he puts up on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, going. the last thing you just said, how you're professional, you have to put in work. That was kind of the standout thing he said to me. Is like, you know, in college, everything is regimented for you. You have the coaches telling you what to do. You have it all planned out. You know when you're going to work out. You have your trainers. But when you're turned pro and you're trying to make it to the pro, that's all on you. It's it's all it's all the impetus is all on you to get the work done, to find the training you need to get up in the morning and do the training, stay late and do the training. So I think that that that's another point to the maturity. Not to say he wasn't a good didn't have a good work that work ethic, but it's nice when you have that realization, like, oh, it's on me now. If I want to be the best pro that I can be, it's gonna be on me. It's not gonna be on anyone else.
2: And that's across the board when this transition happens. But especially for a guy like Jay Tufele, who had a very unique experience where he opted out and watched his teammates while he was just sitting there. You know, he wasn't playing. And so that could go many ways if you want to, especially when you think about the off season he had. I mean, it was not easy for him because his sister was essentially on her deathbed with COVID-19. And so you can go a lot of ways. But the fact that he it seems like he really matured. I know Chris and I essentially text each other exactly at the same time, like, Tufeli sounds like more mature. It was interesting because we both noticed at the same time. But the fact that he made those strides in such a unique experience, I think, is a really encouraging sign for him.
1: Yeah, I don't know where he's at on NFL draft boards right now. But if I, you know, if an NFL scout listens to this, I would say they they should definitely be taking a second look at him and seeing what he can do, because I think he's just going to take off from here. You know, this is something you see sometimes, just that that maturity. You know, Clay Helton likes to talk about, oh, the light came on. That's what you hear for young players. There's a lot of times there's that maturity with guys that, especially if you think you're going to be a draft pick in three years or, you know, you're going to be three and out, that doesn't happen. When you become a senior and you just, all right, I really got to focus in. I've got to take care. I think we saw that step with Iman Marshall, you know, from his junior to senior year just going, Okay, things didn't work out how I thought they were going going to come down to high school. I've got to do something even more and he took that next step. I think that when you see that it's really fun to see and I think that Jay Tefeli is one of those guys. Now, we didn't get to see it on the field, but I think that, that whenever he gets in the NFL, you're going to see, you know, his game's going to go take it to the next level.
2: See, it's interesting that you mentioned the whole Emon Marshall thing cuz I almost feel like that could have worked for Elijah Griffin. We asked him you know, the timing and, and your his NFL evaluation, what made you decide to leave. And he was pretty vague about it. And like, hey, you do you. You don't have to tell us what you don't want to tell us. But I think it might have been beneficial if he did return for one more year. I feel like it's a little too early in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I, I You know, he's a guy that I thought if he came back, I think he could have shown even more. Now he was a lockdown cornerback, basically, you know, teams didn't throw at him that much, but the one piece that was still missing a little bit was creating the turnovers. He had one interception this year. I think if he would have come back, I think he just becomes more of a ball hawk. You know, the second year with Dante Williams, I think would have been big for him. And you know, maybe he puts up six, seven interceptions in a full season. And then maybe his draft stock takes off a little bit more because there there are a little bit of questions about his size, his, his you know just the fact that he's six foot, he you know the length it, does, does it match up with some of the other guys? That's something that'll be interesting to look at tomorrow if they do wingspans, they post those. You know where does he stack up against some of the cornerbacks that you do see in the NFL? I think he's a really good cornerback, but I think he still could have developed a little bit more and boosted up his draft stock. Now he could still take that next step of development his rookie year in the NFL that's sure. still perfectly uh, possible and you know he doesn't have to worry about I need to you know I need to leave and go get money now so that's why I think you know because he has the the family background I think that coming back would have been more beneficial for him and you know being able to to spend another year in college be the guy as the cornerback and then go to the NFL where he's going to be you know number 35 on the roster versus the number five guy, most important guy on the roster.
2: Exactly. It wasn't a knock on his play. I think it was more just solidifying that resume more than a six-game season, you know, just padding it up a little bit more.
0: I was hoping he would share a little bit more insight into why he decided to, you know, make that jump. And like you said, he kind of danced around it, kind of was vague, didn't really get any clarity on it. But I think he's a guy who's kind of on the fringe of getting drafted. If you saw his draft grade, it's maybe a guy who needs time to develop on a, on a roster. Maybe he doesn't even get drafted. He might be a 7th to 6th round pick, and I think he's going to have to fight for a roster spot, which is, you know, that's the grind in the NFL.
1: Yeah, and I think if he comes back, then he probably boosts that up a little bit, and then he, there's more invested in you, which gives you a better opportunity. You know, if you're a 3rd or 4th round pick, just they've spent some money on you, those type of things. Uh, so that's why I think it probably would have been a better decision for him. But, you know, we've seen guys like Nickel Roby-Coleman, Go undrafted and, you know, you know, if you have the desire and you're good, and I think he is good, then I think that, you know, if he puts in that work and continues to develop, then he's going to be in the NFL for several years as well.
2: As far as the wide receivers go, I thought it was interesting, one, Amarasi Brown said that he felt like he had things to prove on pro day, and then Tyler Vaughn's talked about how he flirted with the idea of coming back, but he thought because of his age, he probably should move on to the next level, so interesting. I wasn't sure where Vaughn's head was at, but like we've said before, I think he's he's done all he could at this level
0: i'm sure that broke our publisher ryan abraham's heart to hear that Heartbroken. tyler vons was considering coming back for another year and if you're not into the joke that ryan abraham and tyler vons are like symbiotic
2: visual bit visual bit I'm he waited the, until i said it i'm doing the he's fingers crossed.
0: crossed they're tight they're close that's his boy um but yeah i i don't think he should have come back he already said i i think i've done all i can do and you know because of his age it was time to go to the next level or try for the next level again like og probably a little bit lower than og he's kind of a fringe guy too but i think his guy who can sneak onto a team and you know be a role player uh eventually down the line you know take some years to develop and, and then you know play a little bit of a role uh for some team and some offense uh, and as far as amon ross same brown I think he does have a lot to prove because this is a ridiculous wide receiver class, just like last year, yeah. and he's not being talked about uh, like some of the other guys, like Jamar Chase or Rondale Moore, who just had a ran a four two nine at his pro day, which is amazing. Uh, but there's a lot of good wide receivers, just like last year, and he's kind of in that kind of that Michael Pittman second tier guy, maybe a guy you can steal in the second round. That's how he's kind of being viewed. So, but he absolutely, with a great pro day, can jump himself up into the discussion and say, hey. I, I need to be dis- discussed with some of these top end wide receivers some of these first day guys and he's been he's been mocked uh kind of a low end first round pick maybe like that 29 to 30 uh 30 second range uh but most most of the time he's being looked at as a as a second round to a third round pick i think his floor is a third round but he can absolutely make some money uh to, uh wednesday on his pro day
1: if he ends up in late in the first round he goes to a team like the chiefs oof <laughs> he's, he's gonna gonna tear things up because there's gonna be so much attention paid to other wide receivers so it'll depend on where he lands um as to how much success he can have immediately right away but it, you, one thing I th- found interesting from the receivers was that both of them said they want to expect to run four fours. so we'll see what they run and it's interesting with the pro days you talk about Rondell Moore's four two nine. the times you know they're just it's not as consistent as it is at the combine where there's one thing set up everyone runs through the same at the same path you know they run through the same setup it's not like they move you know to the other side of the field to run it no no, no changes everyone runs on the same path so it'll be interesting to see where USC's times which have been notoriously a little slow at their pro days you know so we'll see how USC's receivers run as well as some of the, the other players uh, on Wednesday's pro day
2: Talano Hufunga
1: he's another guy I'm very curious about that 40 time because that's one of the things that, that people want to
0: want to see
2: flex of the day
0: <laughs> flex of the day, maybe flex of the year flex on him.
2: Just casually dropping that he's working one-on-one with Troy Polamalu. Just, you know, casual. <laughs> so casual.
0: I just want to know what, it just feels very like, cause you see all these guys training with Exos or high performance level one. I just made that up. I don't, <laughs> uh, jump higher. Uh, Academy. Jump higher, boys! Uh, <laughs> Pro One Academy. I don't know. These are all made up, sure. except for the first one. The first one's real. But you see all these people on Instagram flexing where they're training. All the guys they are training with, but you're just out there training with Tro- Troy Palomalu. I-, I just want to know what that it feels. Like... It just feels very like old school. I- are they like punching sand? Like where they're? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just want to know what is he tying like cement to his feet? He's making him run forties. I don't know. I just want to know what the what the old school are they chasing are they, chickens are they chasing chickens are they purifying their locks <laughs> in the waters of their polynesian ancestors i don't know i just want to know what's going on <laughs> well, the
2: visual bits are off the chart i right just now. i
0: just i just want to watch a 30 for 30 yeah i'm training be interesting. uh training with troy palomalo i just want to know Ah, oh, it sounds so great
2: the thing is it's really on brand i think for both of them and mm-hmm. chuck and you pointing this out on instant analysis they're both the same personality wise. Like they're very like gentle and, and soft spoken, a little bit off the field, but on the field they're kind of like, oh, okay. Ferocious. Ah, don't come near me. <laughs> um, and so I just think it's they're like two pieces in a pot in my opinion. I feel like it works.
1: I mean it's a perfect fit. A- absolutely perfect fit. If there's anyone that you that you would say, Who should Talano Hufunga train with? And if we can get that thirty for thirty doc training with Troy and Tally, you know, well, let's <laughs> let's make it happen. Um, but it would be Troy Polamalu. It, it's you know it's a perfect fit because of their styles, the way they fly around, the way they're just playmakers. So much of it. You, when he said it, you're just like, that makes perfect sense. Like, yep. Yep. Okay. You know it's surprising because you know Troy Polamalu's out of the you know the public eye. He's very humble. He's a very family man. So you don't you know hear him training a bunch of guys like you you do some other players and whatnot. And. That's why it's you know you were a little bit surprised by it, but then you think about it and you go, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I don't know why he wouldn't train with him. Basically, it's like you know, it seems like he could be his long lost son or something. (laughs) Yeah, the hair, the the way they play, you know, it it looks
0: like either a long lost son or a long lost little brother. Um, (laughs) Is he making him recover in the milk of virgin cows? (laughs) (laughs) Is he making him eat the world's hottest peppers? And then run a fifty mile hike through the woods. Is he making them tackle bears? I feel like there should there could be a little bit of bear
1: grills, uh, you know, type of training it just, here.
0: It just feels like there's so much myth building that could be <laughs> going on that I'm putting out there.
2: Sure. Do you have anything, Chris? To no, add I have about nothing that. of
0: value <laughs> okay. other than what I said.
2: Okay. And then two other linemen we talked to: Marlon Tuilolo and Elijah Ver Tucker. Anything notable from their oppressors?
1: I think the interesting thing about Marlon was not what he said, but what everybody else said about him. You know, Jay Tefele asked him about him. You know, what he watched and saw from Marlon. He said that dude's a beast, and he said, "I look up to him." And that was kind of interesting to me. You know, as soon as he got on campus, that's a guy I've looked up to. So they came into the same class, and yet, you know, his peer was looking up to him. And then talking about those two guys, they've been training both of those linemen in in Arizona with Exos. And, you know, they've been going against each other as well throughout their career. So, you know, that's interesting that they're also training together now. So I think that both of them have a chance to to be longtime NFL players. I think Marlon Tupelo, Two can be just a rock in the middle of the defensive line. He's not a guy you're going to hear a bunch about on the broadcast in games, but I think he can have a long, fruitful NFL career if he stays healthy. And Elijah Vera Tucker, I think, is the best um, guard prospect in this class, and I think he's going to be phenomenal.
0: I just hope one of the defensive linemen gets to go to, like, the Ravens or a team that's known for great defense. Reunite them with Ima Marshall, who's up there in Baltimore. Um, and T. Martin. And T. Martin. It'll be a, uh, the USC of the East building over there. A <laughs> couple of five stars, you know?
2: Just circling back to Progens, if you will, Pro Day. Some quick takes. Most approved.
0: I mean, I think it's Tufele just because he didn't play a season He's been off for like a year, and you know, like he said, he's been training and working, and he's excited to show everyone on Pro Day what he's been doing and all the work he's been putting in, uh, show off his new body. Um, so I think kind of he has the most to prove, because early on when USC wasn't going to be playing, he was being pegged as like a first-round pick. Now he's kind of fallen off into that fourth and third round. So I think he has the most uh, to prove and to show scouts that are out there like, hey, you guys – we're, we're talking about me as like a first round, second round pick. Don't forget about me. I'm still here, even though I didn't play. I don't have the tape from 2020, uh, but I but I was doing the work. So I think he's a guy uh, with the most approving though know, there's other guys you could pick.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think he definitely could be the most to gain. Uh, another guy that fits into both most to gain and most to prove is Tyler Vaughn's. I think yeah. if he runs faster than people expect, you know he has the production. He has great hands. He makes terrific catches. You know, the sideline, the balance, all those things. But the knock on him is well, he's not fast enough to run in the NFL. He can't create separation. Well, if he can run fast enough in his pro day, if he shows, you know, a decent bench number, um, which is something where, you know, he's been knocked on as well for his strength, then maybe he can suddenly he goes from, you know, the NFL grade of, oh, he's a developmental league or whatever to, oh, this is a guy we know will produce and we know will catch the ball. So we should be considering him as, as. you know, at least at the very least, as a priority free agent coming out of the draft, so I, I think that he can definitely prove and, and help help himself uh, with the pro day showing.
2: Who will have the best day on Wednesday?
1: I'm on Ross Saint eh, Brown. I yeah. think he'll be fast, and I think he'll. Uh, he said that teams have questioned his strength, which is like what? Who? <laughs> Maybe he's making this up himself. Like name
2: some names.
1: And, and that was interesting. He, the other team, other. Uh, reporters asked, you know, that were team specific, NFL team specific, like, oh, has, have the Eagles contact you, have the 49ers contact you. And other players were like, yeah, I've talked to this team or whatever. Aman Ross St. Brown was like, I'm not going to say who I've talked to. I've well, been advised.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was like, who? Advise you then Uh,
1: but so you know maybe he's making up enemies that you know to which he's that competitive so he might be you know saying oh they're doubting me here they're doubting me whatever it is i'm gonna Saint brown i think is is the one that that is gonna gonna show out on on wednesday
0: yeah ra would have been my pick and i never want to pick against uh him because the sun god will strike you down the sun god will strike you down uh but if i have to you know play devil's advocate and pick someone else i think marlin is gonna have a good day you no know, big strong man i think he's gonna show off his stuff uh and the strength stuff i think if he has a really good run time he said he wanted to show off his athleticism i don't think people think because he was a really good athlete coming out of high school but you know stick him right in that you don't think of You know the nose tackle as an athlete, but he he was a pretty good athlete coming out of high school. So I think he's going to get to showcase some of that. You know, with the shuttle and the agility stuff. So if he tests well there, you know, big game for him. And also, I'm just happy that we're talking about Marlin in this, in the sense of you know being in the draft, being you know could be a third, maybe even a second round draft pick if he does well. Because you know, at one point, you know, there was talk that is his career done. We you know we had the back injury, so I'm just really glad that Marlin is at this point, and we're getting to talk about him like this because you know there was a point there was a point where wow, well, we didn't know if he's going to play again. So really glad that the back worked out, and he's and he's at this point. Would
1: hope hope for the same in the future for Stephen Carr. You know if he mm-hmm. ever yeah. fully returns to where he was before the back injury because it just completely sapped some of that athleticism. You know, maybe we'll see Stephen Carr next year. Maybe he can, you know, have a similar path where you know suddenly you know he pops up and, and is a guy that you know goes through that entire process but gets to you know that NFL level after his senior year, final senior year because there's like four senior years now. <laughs> it feels like.
2: Final quick take: Which pro day event would you like to compete in? Either pro day or combine. I'm combining the two. No pun intended. This is a Chris question, by the way. I did not. Come of course, it's a
0: quiz, qu- Chris. A quiz, quiz question. Of <laughs> course, it's a Chris question because it's a fun question. Ooh, <laughs> spicy.
2: Spicy.
0: Don't come at me like it's a bad question.
2: I did, no, I wasn't. I was giving you credit. And
0: she always ah, gets on us go. for going here first. Go. So here we go. You go first. Really? Yeah. It's my question. I get to pick who goes first. So go first. I haven't
2: seen a pro day since 2019. So all I see is cones in my head.
1: (laughs) Okay. I just see cones in my head.
0: Sounds like a haunted janitor.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Or a parking attendant. Um, Yeah.
0: Any number of jobs that require cones. I
2: would want to do the the vert the vert cuz i used to do that in volleyball so oh. i like know the tips and tricks oh
0: no baby what are you doing that's not going to go well well yeah cuz
2: i'm 59 <laughs> so of course but i'm not going to run a 40 but,
0: but that's what you want to test in you want to test in the vert
2: are you saying like will i have like the best result like which round will i have the no, best result no it's in?
0: whatever you want what do you want to get officially tested in
2: cuz i jump once we're done i'm not going to like don't publicly you get, don't embarrass you get jumps? myself like you get the two, 40. two jumps you get two jumps okay two jumps and then i'm done i'm not like cool. tripping over cones we're fine <laughs>
0: She would she would find a way to trip over, over, over a, a cone. I think there that's is cones stressful. around the vert <laughs> section, so you never know.
2: I'm trying to think of what
0: else. Like I, I, think, I, I think vert's fine for you, less movement.
1: Okay, come on. The the one I would want to do just to know the result would be the vert. I would like to know cool. what my vert is, Chris. What about you, though? What what event would would you participate in in the combine?
0: Would you uh, even do it since, in the since you pro, hate pro day? Obviously the oh, how dare you. <laughs> Obviously the 40 is appealing cuz everyone wants to know what their 40 time is to be able to uh, not brag about it cuz it would be crappy but <laughs> you want to do it. I would do the the standing broad jump cuz cuz I'm flexible so I just want to do I just want to get in that motion of, you know, one <laughs> two
2: So many visual bits today.
0: Zoink. I think I could do so- I think I could get a decent Standing broad jump. I think I could get a respectable broad jump.
2: Okay, here's an idea. Family feud combine.
0: Look, I only want it to happen if it's
1: in Indianapolis, and I'll tell you why. That's a good point. And I want to take, retract my 40 time. I only want to do it if it's Indianapolis so that I can get the ghost, the ghost running with Rich Eisen yeah. and Damian Mama. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Love a good ghost run.
2: And Taylor Mays, just to like track what actually. No, John get.
0: Ross is in the front. Right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that's mine.
2: would you do it though? That was my original question since you have been complaining about pro day for days,
0: maybe it's because I'm like a you know like it's like a it's like a mother who who <laughs> hates hates to see her baby go off to college.
1: <laughs> see I look at it as a, as an opportunity to see them for one final time as yeah. far as competing on campus. I
2: do hate how bittersweet it is, and I do think there's this weird like pro day interview appreciation where like. I feel like the guys who come back appreciate the beat media way more, like, in this (laughs) Pro Day interview. It's really weird, but I always feel this different amount of appreciation on Pro Day. It's weird. Okay, Chris, I'm putting you out of your misery, and I'm transitioning to spring camp. And how (coughs) we're doing that is because we talked to Clay Helton on Monday, and we were able to ask some spring camp questions. And because of that, we got some personnel updates. Also, fun fact, apparently we're going to be able to see spring camp to a certain extent. What? What?
0: We'll see. Everyone did that. We rehearsed that. That was great. <laughs> Good job, guys.
2: So we got a status update on Manny McLean and Paliye Basically, there is no status update. If you were, if you read the War Room last week, we put an update about McLean. Uh, he's still on the team, but he's suspended from team activities. Uh, no update with the university for him. We also got an injury update on Alabama defensive tackle transfer Ishmael Sopcher. Clay Helton said that Sopcher suffered from compartment syndrome in his leg. Um, but Clay Helton didn't sound optimistic that we'll be able to see Sopcher in spring camp. Um, Chris made the point on the P that at least it's happening if you need, if someone needs surgery. It's going to happen now rather than preseason. So at least you get that out of the way. Um, but that is a setback for for Sopcher for sure.
1: Yeah, disappointing to, to not be able to get him out there and get him in the mix and trying to learn a new defense and want him to get as much time, which is why it's so great that they've gotten, what is it, 14 guys that are, that are coming in early, 14 newcomers that, that are on campus for the spring, so that should be able to participate in spring camp outside of Softshire. So, But I think this is a big opportunity for Brandon Peely, actually. Take a step forward and try to, you know, try to go ahead and claim the starter spot and then Sophia in the fall will then have to try to make up some ground. Whereas it, you know, with open competition with Marlin and, and Jay not being there, Brandon Peely should you know, this is
0: this is his opportunity to that he needs to take advantage of. It is disappointing because I feel like Sopsher was maybe the player, at least in the top three that, you know, fans were most excited to see, you know, former top fifty prospect. Alabama guy played at Alabama for a year big time mountain of a man huge SEC a body coming to the Pac-12 I think everyone was excited and it just fits so perfectly putting him where Marlon was filling that the shoes of Marlon and you also had Brandon but I think a lot of people were excited to see you know an Alabama dude in in spring
2: and I guess while we're on the injury topic any other injury updates you want to just rehash before spring camp starts
0: yeah, feel free to jump in at any point because I'm just rattling these off my head. Obviously, Kyle Ford coming off the ACL tear. I don't think he's going to be participating in spring. I think he might be like a late guy, maybe do some stuff. I think he's going to be still rehabbing, but I wouldn't expect him to be a full participant, probably limited. Ethan Ray, you know, per the bio that got taken down, it looks like he's <laughs> finally healthy. So it sounds like, and just some of the clips I've seen from that Gavin uh, Morris has posted on from the workouts it seems like he's participating so i think he's going to be a guy for spring they're going to be not limited like he has been the last two seasons recovering from the knee thing for the knee uh surgery so that's a good sign uh following tight end jude wolf obviously his season was cut short due to the the broken foot i believe he had surgery it was that type of injury um based on the bio that was up briefly
2: (laughs) what chris is referencing is that usc put out an updated spring roster and then I in the press conference referenced the updated spring roster and then was told later on after the press conference that it was not finalized and they kind of scrubbed the whole roster off the
0: website so immediately deleted look I'm just I just read I just read stuff sure yeah uh but it sounds like Jude Wolf will be limited might be limited in spring so we'll see that I saw him at the Bosco game didn't seem to have a brace on it seemed to be walking fine but you never know with feet foots feats um we already talked about ishmael greg johnson had the slight meniscus ca- meniscus tear his season was cut short same time as jude's um he posted a video of himself running and one of those they have zero like, g yeah zero g things um still rehabbing doesn't sound like he's going to be a participant for spring so he's going to be recovering uh solo tuliapupu uh he's five months out from the acl's From his ACL surgery, he is running. He's progressed to running, but he's not going to be a spring participant. Going to have to wait until the fall and summer for that, but he is progressing well. Linebacker Elijah Winston, he did not play last year because of the broken ankle. Sounds like he is still rehabbing, so I don't expect him to be a spring participant. So that's another guy that we're going to have to wait on. Sounds like it. Taylor Katoa, I don't have an official update, but he was battling the hamstring injury last season. Yeah. I would assume he's going to participate this year. That seems like an injury that would have healed up by now. I don't have an official word on that. but that
2: USC and hamstrings, though, are kind of weird. They've lingered longer than they should have.
1: I, I just don't understand how some of the injuries take so long for USC to get some of their players back. It just seems like there are certain injuries that take way longer than are anticipated. Now, sometimes it's just... That's the way it happens. Players don't heal correctly, but it just seems to be there's been a pattern at USC where certain injuries just, it, it takes too long or some guys are rushed back and then they re-injure, you know, so it, it's just disappointing that some of these guys aren't going to get their opportunity to be on the field this spring.
2: On that note, another guy who's kind of fits into that category, Jordan Icefa, I reported a couple months ago that he had surgery again on that knee, um, so that's something to watch for as well. I'm also just curious about Vimal Pai. That's something has, that has just continued. Uh, So where is he at?
1: There's a couple players that have, you know, injury histories and have been injured repeatedly. So we're hoping all those guys get healthy. That's the thing we hope from all the players is that they are healthy and have an opportunity to perform.
2: Indeed. So just to summarize what we're looking for in spring camp, a couple questions. First, what is your biggest question heading in spring camp?
1: My biggest question is what will they get out of the spring game and how will they use it? They're they're putting the spring game right in the middle of camp. Would you stop laughing over <laughs> I'm there? Sorry,
2: I, I don't know why you just you you stuck a flag on this hill. It doesn't make a you... no damn sense. That's why. <laughs> it's it's one it's one practice at the end of the day. It's that's, not the wh-
0: problem. Is that it's a practice, not a.
2: But game. okay, but here's the thing. It's one thing at the end of the day. It's not worth dying on this hill. I'm actually putting this in the podcast. Oh, is it?
0: Yes. I'm sorry, y'all. I didn't know this was going in. I thought this was all getting cut. (laughs)
1: No, I was like, snack time? I'm asking the question, what will they get out of it? And how will they use it? If you're going to put it in the middle, then there needs to be a reason for it. So what can you get out of it? I'm trying to say that this could be a positive. You won't let me. Instead, you just want to snicker about it because I have an issue with putting the spring game in the middle. I think it should be something that you're leading up to, you're building up to, and then that's the nugget at the end, the carrot at the end of the, the tunnel for, for the players that, hey, you're going to go really hard for these 14 practices, and then we're going to have the spring game. You know, People are going to be able to watch you on TV. You're going to be able to actually have a scrimmage That, you know, you're going to be able to get results from and see where you stand. We're going to put the depth chart out on this day. Well, okay, if you're going to move it to the middle of camp, what are you planning to get out of it? Is this going to be, hey, we're going to go as hard as we can. You can't go hard the first week. you got to do the acclimatization period. You're going to go hard the second week, and then you have your spring camp in that third week. Are you building up and saying, all right, this is where this, the depth chart is. We're letting you guys know off this. Are you going to have a pre-spring game depth chart to say, this is where we see you right now, and then put out one after post? I want to know how you plan to use it. If you're going to do it in the middle, how how is it going to be an advantage? It can't just be, well, we just moved it because TV. No, make you got to find a way to make an advantage out of it. So that's that is my biggest question. I want to f- see how they are planning to make it advantageous that it's gonna be in the middle rather than we just moved it because. There's been too many things in this program in the last decade that is we just did it because. So I want you to see what are you gonna do with your spring game? What do you plan to actually get out of it?
2: Are you this annoyed with the date or me or both?
1: I was just I was okay with it until you started snickering over I'm there. I'm sorry,
2: you're just so feisty about it. Because here's the thing if your team has to be like mentally engineered to get the most they're out of 18 to camp. 22 year olds based on one date you have bigger problems than that
1: you're they're 18 to 22 years you're constantly working to mentally you know manipulate them
2: sure but clearly they did something well in the pseudo training camp that they had to put on in november to go five and one like i, I just what i'm saying is i think the culture produces that rather than a specific date of one, essentially one practice.
1: The culture stems from every day that there's something. You're constantly working yeah, on the Yeah, every day.
2: Not just one date of the random spring game slash showcase.
1: There's, there's multiple things. So that one date is one of those things. So why not have it be that carrot at the end that you're leading up to, or, that you put the uniforms on for?
2: Or ideally...
1: The all those you got fourteen Every Saturday
2: is a scrimmage, so you don't differentiate Okay,
1: well you got fourteen newcomers. They want to actually put the jerseys on that first time. The mystique of it. Instead you're doing Game Week is for. Yeah, Mock Game Week, which is the thing we have ridiculed over and over because it's the only time that they've gone hard and then they've you know, slossed off after that. I
2: think this is the first like real feud we've had in a while. (laughs) It feels good. We're back.
0: (laughs) I'm scared. (laughs) Chris is like, I don't know if I want official (laughs) membership anymore. He
2: retracts it. Chris, do you have any thoughts on this?
0: I see both sides of what you're saying, but I do agree because when I was, you know, a huge University of Maryland football fan, that was the thing we look forward to as fans at the end. Not not necessarily, from obviously, from a player's perspective, but that's how it's always been done in my mind is you have the spring game at the end. You work through camp, you do all this stuff, and then you get the big game at the end. And also, I just don't like the phrase showcase.
1: Well, they're calling it a game this year, I believe, right?
2: On the graphic, they said spring game. And Clay Helton said both showcase and game. Interesting. So who knows?
1: Hopefully, it's not a showcase as it was a couple years ago when they, you know, basically it was just a glorified practice that had cameras at it, and they didn't really, they didn't want to show a bunch of stuff. Graham Harrell's new offense, um, even though Clay Helton said afterwards that we'll let everybody in here to watch it. Um, so uh, hopefully, it is an actual game because you want that compet- the competitiveness. You want to see the players, you know, especially this year with the fact that there's less. Small, you know, small surges and stuff where you have, you know, suddenly you got walk-ons that are playing a lot in your spring game. They should have a pretty deep roster with the seniors that are allowed to come back and everything. You should have some really good competition for some of those spots, and there's some open spots that you want to see really good competition from. So, and again, I think they can use it. I'm curious to see how they will. So that's my biggest question. You know, how do you, you know, if it's in the middle, how do you then use it those last two weeks? I want to see what they do. Uh, so I think it's it's different. And again, maybe they find a way to, to make an advantage. So that's what I'm curious about. That's my biggest question.
2: Also, I had to put a disclaimer because I didn't at the top. We automatically excluded who's going to be left tackle because that was so obvious that we wanted to mix it up. Chris Trevino, your biggest question.
0: Well, it isn't related to the left tackle because, duh, <laughs> I think my biggest question is what sort of progress will Clay McGuire make in his first, you know, coaching role with these guys over this course of spring, USC's offensive line did not get a spring camp last year, obviously, and that's an incredibly vital time, especially when you're tinkering with your, you're your getting to know the guys, you're getting to know how these guys work, how they practice, how they, how they move and, and the chemistry with them. Um, so I think this is obviously an incredible, important part of the year for McGuire coming in, taking over this, this group of guys, you know, that aren't his guys, the guys he didn't recruit, obviously. So he's got to get to know them, he's got to know how they work. So I just want to know what what sort of progress will be made in this these these what is it 15 practices or whatever. Yeah. So what and that's obviously the most important storyline of the year is protecting Keaton Slovis, getting a much better fit uh, offensively with the run game with, you know, an air raid friendly coach like McGuire. So how early how much progress is he going to have and then, you know, what do we see early dividends uh in spring by the end?
2: I have multiple biggest questions because this also, like, ties into the whole indecisiveness. But what
0: is your biggest question?
2: <laughs> For some reason, first take off the top of my head was who replaces Talanoa Hufanga. And I'm curious just because he was obviously very important to Todd Orlando's defense. But how important? You know? Because you ha- he was a special player who you could plug in. Hey, we need a linebacker. Put in Talanoa Hufanga. You know? I am just curious how much he elevated the scheme versus just Todd Orlando's scheme being well-developed, you know? So I, I'm curious about that.
1: That's a very good question. You know, can your special players elevate your scheme? I think that's what you ideally want, and you want to be able to mold and adapt as you you have a special linebacker, so you do some different things. You have a special safety, you do some different things. You have a special defensive end coming in the fall? That was one of my
2: biggest questions. Corey Foreman. Oh, but that's not spring. Oh,
1: <sighs> I said coming in the fall, lady. Ah, sorry. <laughs> um, but same thing with Drake Jackson. You know, can you adapt and, and you know find ways to enhance their already natural abilities and create you know create opportunities for them to really excel? That's that's uh you know a great point that should be interesting to see with them. I'm curious about and I almost put this on my looking forward to. Is Xavier Alford is how much is he similar to Talanoa Funga? How much do they want him to be similar to Talanoa Funga? Yeah. If he does indeed, if that's the role, you know the the safety spot that he's in, you know, are they having him down the line of scrimmage? Do they want to move Isaiah Pullamal down by the line of scrimmage more? I, I, I am definitely curious about the the safeties as well. Rapid fire
2: two. How the running backs shake out? Because I feel like you're a little top-heavy now, now that you have Keontae Ingram in there. So how does that whole rotation work out? And I believe my jinx told the LA Times that he wants to have a clear first string running back. So I'm curious how that shakes out. Also, just Keith Slovis in year three. Especially because we didn't see him in practice prior to year two, and we couldn't really figure out why we were seeing what we were seeing. So I'm curious if, one, if that gets short up two, if we see anything in practice.
1: Going back to the running backs, I think it's interesting how much will we see those veteran running backs? Sure. Because those guys, you know, Vi Malapai and Stephen Carr, just haven't practiced a ton in the last year and a half or so. Yeah, you know, that's they, they've, they've basically been veterans. They've been given a lot of days off to try to rest their bodies because they've taken, you know, a lot of impact and had some injuries in their career. So, you know, I'm curious to see because there's fresh blood. Do, are they out there every day? Or, you know, both of those guys are competitors. They want to be out there, but, you know, do, do they override the coaches? I'm like, oh, just take a light to no, the not coach. I'm going. I'm going.
2: I'm going to make a transition right now to the second question what we're looking forward to the most. And the reason why I'm transitioning right now is because I essentially just said mine. I'm very excited <laughs> for practice observations. So excited. That's something where it just makes us better at our jobs so we can have some context to what we're saying and, and what we're analyzing. Um, so, Also, I just love watching practice. It's weird, but I love it. So I'm very excited to be able to have practice observations again. Hopefully. Hopefully. I think it's going to be limited. But hopefully we have practice you
0: observations. You get something.
2: Yeah, something. Something better than nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you want to see where the guys are producing and also who's getting the reps. You, know, you want to see those type of things. Some reporters prefer the fact that everything's on Zoom. It's just like it makes it easier; you don't have to leave home, everything. But I definitely would would you want to see what's going on, especially after this layoff that they've had in the six game season. Where where are those younger guys standing? You know, who's getting those second team offensive line reps? Who's, you know, working their way up? Do we see who's winning those one-on-one battles? Who's the, the guy that, you know, we expect that maybe he's a guy next year for them or maybe the, the season after that you know is making some strides? Who's the Liam Jimmins who goes from, you know, third, fourth string defensive tackle Works his way up there and gets some reps. And then flips over the offensive side, and you just see that growth over the the length of a camp. Those are the things; those are the type of things we, we look forward to to getting to see, and you know that we like to see because it just tells you, it shows you who's working hard. For one, you see, you know who's running from drill to drill. All those type of things that you don't, you can't fully uh, appreciate, and you can't get a great sense of when you're just doing Zoom interviews.
2: Yeah. For example, we would never have been like, hey, that that Elijah Very Tucker. Maybe he should start getting some playing time. That would never happen if we didn't see practice. So that's family
1: feud Plug.
2: Plug. I got to find that too. Especially since he's leaving. I got to find. I said it first. that you hopped on the bandwagon. But I said it. I don't
0: know if that's true.
2: Oh, I will find it. So don't <laughs> get ready. Christopher Vino. What are you looking for? Two.
0: I had a couple things, but I think my number one thing is obviously Miller Moss and Jackson Dart. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's good. a good one. You know, two highly. Ra- probably the best. QB class in the 2021 cycle signing both of those guys not only it's not like you signed a really good quarterback and like a you know a three-star developmental guy you signed two really really good quarterbacks two blue chip quarterbacks they're going to come in and now that Matt Fink is gone that really opens up the door for one of them to you know potentially grab that backup spot uh, behind Keenan Slovis or you know that zero 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 point one percent chance that one of them wins the starting job but we all know that's not gonna happen. Right, so basically, they're fighting for that backup job, and I think it's going to be a very fierce competition, a fun competition. Um, Obviously, quarterbacks jumping from high school to college can be a little bit of transition, but they can still make plays, as we saw with Keaton Slovis, who you know really had some great passes in spring that made us go, "Whoa, we got to look out for that." Look out for that number nine. So I'm excited to see, especially Dart, who's coming off that monster, monster senior year, has a lot of momentum coming to camp. And then Miller Moss, who you know has been starting since he was like a freshman, cutting up defenses, didn't have a senior year, but probably been prepping all this time. So I'm excited to see the, those two go head-to-head uh, for that backup job. it be fun.
1: I, I think that was one of the ones that I could have put on my spring star um, I I, t- I was tempted on that one.
2: We haven't even addressed that.
1: Oh, sorry. Um, on our <laughs> next question.
2: Let's <laughs> <laughs> we'll just get into it. Our finals spring camp question. Can I get my look forward to? Oh, I thought you already said. Oh it. No, oh he did not. Oh, sorry. This is, this
1: <laughs> is how the show goes. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how the offensive line develops. Like like Chris said, um, and you know who gets those starting reps, second team reps, with you know the talk of Clay Helton mentioned uh, in the Zoom press con- presser, um, on Monday that. There were going to be four guys in competition for that left tackle spot. He's it Jalen McKenzie and three of the returning freshmen. So, Cortland Ford, uh, Casey Collier, and Jonah Monheim. And as Chris pointed out, which I didn't note this at the time, Casey Collier has put on how much weight?
0: Uh, based on based on the last year's roster, he was listed at 290 pounds. Clay listed him as a very specific 317. So, that's nearly uh, 30 pounds there, which is something I – Really wanted to see out of Casey because I had this written down. Is I want to see how those six freshman offensive linemen, the six they signed in the 2020 class, how they developed. I want to see who, whose bodies changed coming into spring because obviously this is that was a developmental class. So now it was up to them to put in the work over the offseason. I want to see whose body changed. And then, like you said, I mean, like I said, 27 pounds that's a big gain. That's what you want to see out of Casey Collier, who has a great frame but just needed to add some more weight.
1: Yeah, you know six seven frame i believe mm-hmm. it is so you know if he has if he's moving the same that's always the big question when you add 30 pounds you know are the guys moving the same so I, i'm curious you know he, he's a guy that I'll be keeping my eye on and how that kind of you know who's getting those reps how that rotation kind of works; those those are questions that definitely we we'll be looking at. So I'm looking forward to seeing that on the offensive line and and where the group goes under Clay McGuire. How quickly are they you know picking things up? Is there a lot of just instruction early? You know how exactly is it going for that group as a whole?
0: And I just also want to point out that Clay did say he was six foot nine, three seventeen. He is listed at six foot seven. I don't know if that was a misspeak, that he just maybe said six foot nine over six foot seven, or he legitimately grew a couple inches, which it's isn't like crazy to think it's about. It's not unfathomable. It's not yeah. unfathomable. So now I'm really excited to see <laughs> what what is the truth. I need to get to the bottom of this. And we like six nine offensive linemen at USC. Zach Banner
1: was the last one. He was Shame. one, of, uh, you know, one of our favorites to to communicate with and interact with because it wouldn't say. That it was, it was always an interaction, I would say.
2: Except for the fact that my neck always hurt interviewing him. <laughs> Literally a foot taller than me. So it was interesting times.
0: And you wanted to do the vert. Move on. Step off. Move on.
2: We kind of already did. Shate. Final question for spring camp. Your spring
1: start will be? Almost went Casey Collier. Oh. Instead, Ooh. I went Cortland Ford. I think ah. Cortland Ford is going to be the guy that takes over that left tackle spot. Um, talking with Elijah Vera Tucker coming out of the season a little bit, you know, he you know mentioned What's some a- positive things about Cortland Ford. There's just been a lot of talk, and he's you know from the videos and stuff we've seen, you put putting a lot of work in, at least social media work. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think that he's a guy that has potential. There was that kind of mysterious, like, does he have a knee injury type of thing in high school? Yeah. You know, he had a bunch of really early offers, and then from LSU, commit. Yeah, teams backed away from him. It sounded like his his dad, I think, came on on the P to you know kind of set the record straight yep. and said no, he didn't have this you know issue that that some people were reporting that had happened. So I'm curious to see where he's at. I think he's got a lot of potential, and the fact that that job is open and he's a guy that got some early playing time last year. I think that will only help him, and I think he could be the spring star this year.
2: I will say I have taken note of the social media work, and like the you said, Shockham, social media work might be different from work work, so we'll see, but he has that mindset so far, I think, and other players are talking about him, and that's usually a good sign.
0: Clay did say he had a was it monster spring or a huge spring or something like that. He said he had a dynamic spring. Dynamic over spring. the last
1: eight weeks. So, I mean, that's a that's a positive. That's an interesting word to use for an offensive lineman, but that tells me
0: athleticism. Right.
2: Chris, it's time for your spring star.
0: Look, as someone who's been tracking early enrollees for like the last two spring camps, I watch them closely. So I'm really big on early enrollees. So I'm going Julian Simon. I'm just mm-hmm. putting my chips awesome. in for Julian Simon. The linebacker, as we mentioned, a lot of injuries there, a lot of guys coming off injuries. I think there's an opportunity for Simon, if he's getting the playbook down, you know, obviously when you come in, you have to catch up to that. It's it's a little bit of a, I talked to, I I ran into some of the linebackers uh, last week at a showcase and they kind of said, oh, he's coming along, but he just needs time. Just needs time to get the playbook down, get, you know, get situated, you know, once the actual college football starts with spring. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but man, dude is a dynamic athlete recruited as a running back and a wide receiver for school. So get that kind of athleticism out in the linebacker position. You're doing well. So I, I I think he's going to be a guy who's going to get, steal some reps. I I expect him to at least be on the two deep this spring. And I'm excited to see what he does uh, when he puts the pads on. So that's my spring star, Julian Simon book it. I'm putting, putting, Put my money where my mouth is. I think it's an interesting choice. I wouldn't have made the
1: choice, I but hate it. I I hate
0: it when you say interesting <laughs> choice.
1: I think it's an interesting choice. I wouldn't have made that choice, but I think it's a really good one. Um now you feel better?
0: Let me just translate for people who don't haven't been around. <laughs>
2: don't speak shotgun.
0: <laughs> yeah, who don't speak shotgun. He basically said, You fing idiot. <laughs> oh, you I have would, to believe it. I would have never made that pick in ten million years. But that's you.
2: That's not that's what basic, I said. I really no, love no. It. I speak Shogunese. Like, yeah. I, are you kidding me? I'm fluent. That was, huh? I didn't think about that. Not fully agree with it, but it's intriguing enough that I won't disrespect it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's laughing because I'm correct.
1: That's really close. <laughs> yeah. No, I think Simon is. And hearing people talk about his personality, not necessarily what he's done on the field or anything yet, but just people from the Washington area that know him. Some of the 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 freshman class coming in that we're friends with him I just think that he has the type of personality that he's going to be all in he's going to be super focused hyper focused on, on the task at hand and could see a quick ascension and like you talked about openings available for playing time at the linebacker so I think it is a very interesting uh, pick there uh, I wouldn't have picked it just because it's an incoming freshman that's the only reason I wouldn't say there's a the star this spring but it could be it could be
2: my spring star First one that popped in my head was Xavier Alford. I'm just gonna put it out there. I think you get a guy like that because he's gonna plug and play. You want him to fill a role that left. I think he's gonna be the guy.
1: I considered him actually. Really. But I I haven't seen him.
2: I know. I, I'm going out on limb here, but yeah. But Gerard Martinez is very high on him. He said in high school he was he was good, good stuff. So. Yes. With, the, with the power of GM, <laughs> I declare Savion Alfred the Spring Star.
1: Yeah, so that's one where if i have seen him before, and if he was a local kid and I'd seen him in high school, maybe I could make that pick. Um, but just because I haven't seen him yet, I don't, I don't think I could go out on that limb. But not a bad pick either. Look at you guys making good picks.
2: Oh, get out of here. It's about
1: damn time I get some help around here.
2: Chris, how do we eject <laughs> get him your boy. to the moon? He's not my boy. boy. He's your boy, famously helium voice. I guess not for life. So, oh wow, yeah. Just hurt. Well, any final thoughts, gentlemen, for spring camp? What you're expecting? Because this is this is it. Next time we podcast, there will be spring camp.
0: I'm just excited for spring in general, just because that's a time for optimism. And last year we didn't get any of that because it was all terrible and horrible. Horrible. So. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing freshmen, new guys fighting for starting positions, open competition, ready to get it. And just a small plug, I will have my annual, yeah, annual because I do it every year, spring <laughs> camp projection charts for the, for the depth chart for offense and defense. So they'll be up soon on USCFootball.com. So be on the lookout for those. Small plug. We love a good plug. I like how you, you do so many different things that you don't even know if, like, do I do this every year? I don't even remember. Yeah, I'm also planning on revisiting my 10 predictions from the start of the season. Because I did that last year and people seemed to like it, even though it was horrible. <laughs> but but, I, but I'm, I know that I'm not a great predictor. I just do it for fun. But it's my thing now, so I'm just going to go it's back. It's, it, I'm not afraid to poke fun at myself and say when I'm wrong. Because they're just predictions. Yeah, or you just don't ever be wrong. Then you don't have to poke fun at all.
2: If there's ever like a 30 seconds that describe both of you exactly how you are, it's that. <laughs> it's right there. Shadi, any final thoughts?
1: I mean, the hope spring's eternal. You, know, you go into the spring and you think, all right, what can this USC team be? And it's interesting to see what they look like now versus what they'll look like in the beginning of the fall camp, the beginning of the season. All those things are kind of interesting. Where are they at from last season? I think that's a, that's an interesting thing to see. So looking forward to that. Did have a couple of questions that were football. Most of our questions that we asked for were basketball. So rapid fire on them real quick.
0: Jagger asked, no. who runs a <laughs> better 40?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Leave that in. Just have it hard cut. Just a hard cut. <laughs> so brutal.
2: Alrighty, Shaka. You, you have thirty seconds. We're letting you, on a very temporary basis, answer these questions.
1: So we had only a couple of football questions. So I'm on the clock now. Jagger asked, you know, who runs a better forty Wednesday, Amon Ra or OG? Chris, I'm curious your answer on this one. Actually,
0: what? You just throw <laughs> it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna uh, sneaky, sneaky. I'm going to do Amara because I don't bet against Oh, good,
1: good, good answer there. And he also asked, uh, it seems like Armand Hawking's name is getting brought up by a lot of recruits, so is there a chance of him getting a raise or a promotion to keep him on the staff? I don't necessarily think that you'll need a promotion for that, but it is interesting to see that he's getting his name out there. So that's a positive thing to have more guys be involved with the recruiting on that side. What's his time? He went a
0: 36.63.
1: So actually, Chris just ruined it. He took six seconds. To stay. <laughs> wow,
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> that was brilliant that was brilliant do you see that that's a that's a, that's a veteran move right there that's like the little lean when you're going for the shot to get the the blocker or the defender to go in you that's that's a veteran move i, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on the hate on the player that's the game baby
2: also just to set the scene Chris had the phone up with the timer going visual staring <laughs> directly at chaka for bit? that entire time
0: is that so. technically a visual bit
2: it's definitely a visual bit
0: I think it's a bit. I it was, I'm, I'm it was a visual holding. thing. Yeah, okay.
2: Alrighty, Chris, on that note, time for me to pass the torch to you. It is time for some take it or leave it.
0: That is, that is. That was, this read's going to be a little bit long, so bear with me. Not not long relative to other ones, but just a little bit long. I'm nervous. Um, Thank you to our real fake corporate sponsor for the week, Twitter, the little birdie. Hey, USC fans. Look, we get it. USC is a football school. So maybe you were a little bit hard on the basketball team recently. But maybe you want to jump on the sweet 16 craze, but you don't want to be called a bandwagon fan. Well, we have you covered with our new premium bandwagon blocker extension. Let's say you have a tweet like this lurking in your history. Hmm. L.A. County health officials say no fans allowed at Galen this season. Have these protocols been in place the last five years? LMFAO crying face emoji but our sophisticated AI tech will expunge that tweet and change it to something like bummer. No fans this season. Crying face, crying face, crying face only makes me more hype for the, for my season tickets for next year. Or maybe you tweeted something like, can't wait to see this team get bounced in the first round. Grin emoji. We can change that to goosebumps thinking about this Trojan team. They can make a run. Take away the worry of being labeled a bandwagon fan and leave no doubt to your fellow Trojan fans that you were there from the start bandwagon blocker presented by twitter maybe you should have been a little bit more supported from the start fam
2: <laughs> well done i i i yeah this is a good one
0: thank you to twitter and their new bandwagon blocker which is available for a nominal fee of
2: 59.99 wow look at that it's amazing
0: what technology does these days <laughs> it is let's jump into this boys and girls clay helton named four candidates for the left tackle position one of those will be the starting left tackle. Taking it.
1: I think Cortland Ford is a front runner there. Um, but I think those are the the true candidates. Uh, you know, it just doesn't seem, if you name those four guys, doesn't seem like you're going to then suddenly move Andrew Voorhees out or move Liam Jimmons. It sounds like they're pretty confident in those guys sticking in the positions that, are, that they're at. But. You know, new offensive line coach comes in. And he sees him on the field. Maybe that changes something. But I'm I still think it's from that four group.
2: I'm gonna take it. Okay. I was thinking of being spicy and saying like it'll be a dark horse, but I'm gonna take it.
1: I didn't even think of it. But the other possibility, what would cause it not to happen? Grab is a transfer transfer portal. Yeah, mm-hmm. it didn't, didn't didn't come to my mind initially. But See, I've already made my answer. You so already I can't made change it. Now. <laughs> If you would have went with
0: that initially, you would explain that. Broop. Rough start for Re-edit. both of these. Re-edit. All <laughs>
2: right, Re- guys. I think there's going to be a grad transfer, so <laughs> I'm leaving it.
0: Rough start for these two. They can respond. Obviously, we're still in the time of COVID. ULC will get in every scheduled spring practice.
2: Ooh. Don't put that juju out there.
0: Taking it. I want to be positive here. You don't want to be positive. You want to be
1: negative. Also true. Boo.
2: I'm gonna take it.
0: Stay positive. Test negative. Put that on a shirt.
2: Mm-hmm. Copyright Family Few podcast. All rights
0: reserved. USC will have more than two players transfer out during or following spring camp. Leave it.
2: I'm gonna take it. Actually, yeah.
0: I'm gonna leave it because
1: I think the the culture that everyone seems to be, you know, talking about, you know, from the defense coaches last year what Steiner's doing with the strength and conditioning, I feel like everyone's buying in. Usually it's when you don't have a great culture that you see some guys go, I'm not starting, Psh, I'm out of here.
2: Sure, that's a good point. I, the Steiner factor is one that I think changes it because I do know at the end of the season it was like rumor city of transfer portal stuff, which didn't come true necessarily, but I know after spring sometimes guys get frustrated, especially if you're older, so I'm going to sure. leave it or take it, whichever one I said to the beginning of this. <laughs>
0: Okay, shifting a little to basketball. Visual bit, visual bit. He's shifting gears. I don't know how to. I don't know how to drive stick, but
2: <laughs> he's just punching the air right now.
0: <laughs> it's a bummer as he is playing Oregon in the Sweet Sixteen, and not, you know, an out of conference foe.
2: He sounded a little sarcastic on that one. Take
0: he? it because
2: yeah, take that one
1: this would not happen in any other conference. The number one and number two teams in a major conference would not be facing off in the sweet 16. They would be, you know, better seated so that it couldn't happen. Uh, it, it's just, it's unfortunate that that's happening. It's also unfortunate that there's one region of the bracket, which had no PAC 12 teams in it. So you had two in, in the same quadrant in USC and Oregon. And then I think there were two in uh, Colorado is in the same bracket as someone else, you know, they've lost, but, um, so, you know why could you not put someone in the, the one region that didn't have a Pac-12 team? You know, I know there's it's difficult when you actually try to build out a bracket and keep okay we've got, got to keep teams that haven't played or teams from the same conference and split them up and you have the you know when you're doing the seedings and stuff it, it becomes very difficult I understand that but to have USC and Oregon in the same quadrant it just seems like they, it could have they could have definitely done something different especially especially. Because those two teams were number one and number two in the Pac-12. If it was, you know, USC as a as a six seed and Oregon State, and they somehow match up, you go, okay, that, you know, that just happens. But six and seven, come on, you could definitely have done better. NCA,
2: I agree with him, and I'm very thankful we got out of that without a Larry Scott rant. So, <laughs> I'm I'm happy with this one.
0: And she gives a fist pump. <laughs> it's true, as you know, one of the. Big contenders for the number one overall pick. K. Cunningham is no longer in the tournament. Him and his Oklahoma State Pokies. <laughs> the Pokes. Pokes. Cowboys. The Pokies saying we're saying the same thing. Is out. He does not have more time to build his draft resume. Put out by Oregon State as well. But maybe he doesn't need it. Evan Mobley still in the tournament. Jalen Suggs still in the tournament. You know those guys are considered the top three prospects. Evan Mobley will be the number one overall pick. Take it or leave it. It's a very difficult one, and I'll tell you why.
1: Because normally in the NBA draft, there's one guy, and you say, that's the number one pick. Andrew Wiggins, that's the number one pick. Occasionally, there's no one in the draft that's the number one, and that's how you get, was it Anthony Bennett from UNLV that was the number one overall pick, and then he was out of the league in a couple years? Um, This year... Is one of the rare years where there, are probably five legit prospects in this that maybe in a weak draft could be number one. Those top three guys are all worthy of a number one pick in certain years of the draft, and I think because they're special talents, all three of them are. It may come down to actual team need, which is rare in the NBA. Normally, it's just you take the best guy, you build your team around him because they're they're going to be a superstar. But I think it may come down to if someone has a really good big. Then they're definitely going to go with one of the wings. But if someone has, you know, a, a legit point guard, or they have a legit, you know, two guard, and they feel like we're we're really missing in on the interior, Evan Mobley could be the number one pick. So I'm going to be optimistic and say I'm going to take it. I'm going to say he's going to be the number one overall pick, and he has an opportunity on this national stage to continue to build that resume because I don't know. I know scouts are, have watched him, but I don't know. You see it every year where someone's draft stock continues to rise. Because someone, whether it be a GM or someone, an owner, someone in that front office starts falling in love with a kid, and then suddenly they start pushing the buttons a little bit like, hey, this is the guy we really need. You know, and, and if the scouts kind of, you know, it's a toss-up to them, then you go in with who pays, who's uh, paying the money. And I think Evan Mobley is such a unique talent that someone could definitely fall in love with him that way.
2: I'm going to pull Chris right now and be like, you expect me to follow that? But that is just the theme of the Take It or Leave It segment, so I'm used to this. I'm going to be optimistic and say that USC is going to advance, thus more national exposure, thus, we always talk about how the West Coast doesn't really get any love, hence why everyone's so shocked about the Pac-12 doing well. I'm going to say take it because they're going to see them and be like, wow.
1: I think you're going to get the same thing with Suggs, where I think he's kind of third right now for most people when you're just talking about the conversation. And maybe, you know, I'm looking at it from an Evan Mobley perspective and covering him. But I think he's going to get even more exposure because, again, West Coast, you know, being at Gonzaga, how much, you know, their games are on TV, but who's staying up to watch them play St. Mary's, you know, when you expect them to blow out somebody. I've barely watched Gonzaga this year because every time I flip it on, they're up by 20. So it's like, do I really want to watch the rest of this game? And I've watched bits and pieces of them but I think that it's definitely, and this week in particular, making it to the Sweet 16, having, because you go from Abilene Christian or one of the small schools that, you know, North Texas, you get a day of big hype. You got the big upset in the first round. Now you have a full week, and this whole week is going to be, there's going to be so much talk about the Pac-12 one, the disrespect, and the fact there's four teams in, and it's going to come back to Evan Mobley because he's the player of the year. He's the freshman of the year. He's the defensive player of the year in that conference that now has four teams in. So I think a lot of that conversation is going to round back to Evan Mobley and his you know, his uh, profile, I guess, is going to grow even more than it was, you know, especially because they have this week of lead up to
0: the, the Sweet 16. And this final one is a fan submitted take it or leave it oh. that I got in my tweets that I've been holding because we haven't had the moment. But this comes from Samuel at... SC Trojan underscore Sam. Ah, yes. Um, I think I remember He this. was tagged all of us, so I'm reading it now. Evan Mobley is the most talented basketball or football player to play for USC since Reggie Bush. Take it or leave it. Who are the candidates? On the basketball side, you got DeMar DeRozan,
1: O.J. Mayo. Masterpiece, son.
0: I'm always I'm always down for Lil' Romeo. <laughs> Onyeka, not even in...
1: I don't think so. Okay. You know, Evan's better than him, so.
2: <laughs> he said that with such conviction. It's <laughs> true.
1: It, and I think Aneka is really, really good, but Evan is so skilled. Uh, on the football side, since Reggie Bush, that's the, I mean, the Reggie Bush is the one I actually would probably be competing with him, and I think Reggie is definitely there, and the hype train with Reggie is so much more than Evan Mobley, but as far as just athlete and talent, Evan Mobley's
0: definitely up there. Yeah, you're stripping. You're not. You're taking away like the accolades and all the that. You're just doing straight like talent.
1: Yeah, I mean, Sam Darnold is the only other person that's been in the consideration, and maybe Leonard Williams for you know top one, top one or two picks. Uh, Adoree, he wasn't in the consideration for one or two pick. I think that's where you're looking at now because, you know, when you go in the NFL, it's about being. You know, I mean, when you go in the pros. The number one and number two picks are supposed to be generational type talents. You know, they're supposed to be the elite dudes. You know, I love Dory. I think he's such a unique athlete. But, you know, I I just Evan Mobley is on a different level.
2: I think you have to take it.
1: He's seven foot and he can do backflips.
2: Wait, what? Yeah. Is that a requirement now for this university?
1: If you're really good, you can do backflips like Drake Jackson. Yeah, so seven foot, he's you know he plays like a guard. He can do everything you want on the court. He's and the probably the most impressive quality is just his unselfishness and the fact that he's not a diva even though
0: how good he actually is. There is one person that can't compete with him.
1: But Who they're would it they're be?
0: outside of the scope. It's Michael Norman.
1: I would contend that Michael Norman's not even the best track and field athlete in the last 15 years. I'm going to go with Andre DeGrasse, you know, the, the Canadian national who's um, who came through USC and has been phenomenal on some of the professional um, circuits as well. So,
2: But here's the thing. If we're going to open it up, I mean, USC water polo has just been dominant for over a decade. And then beach volleyball? I know. I know. I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> They've been dominant as teams. I don't know if there's been one. I mean, Sarah Hughes? Beach volleyball, yeah. She's pro. I mean, going pro in beach volleyball is extremely difficult. Yeah, uh, she's really good, but no, I, I think it all comes back to Evan Mobley. He's going to be the number one pick, sure, number sure, two sure. pick in the NBA draft, and he does things that no other big man can do. There's very few big men in the NBA that can do what he can do, and when he gets bigger, I mean, one of the, his assistant coach, Chris Capko, said on my on the on the Hurdle and Sidelines podcast that. He thinks he's a potential Hall of Famer. So he's got work to do. But how many how many times does do does a coach say, oh yeah, that guy's a Hall of Famer that we got on our team? That, that doesn't happen. You ever, you ever heard Clay Hilton say that Adoree Jackson was going to be a Hall of Famer?
2: Well, I mean, I don't think Clay's the guy you want to, like, sure. he's Mr. Hyperbole, so. It's
0: true, but did, did he ever say that about okay, Sam Donald?
2: fair, fair.
0: Nice plug for the hurt it. That wraps up my corporate fake, Real sponsors, whatever. Take it or leave it. Uh, Thank you to Twitter. Thank you for the bandwagon blocker. If you need it, get it right now. Um, But I also want to shout out uh, Daniel Mercado at fighton underscore for underscore God, who a couple weeks ago made me some podcast art for my own podcast, a solo podcast, (laughs) because you guys won't make me a permanent member. The two options he gave were this damn podcast, which I kind of like, and Crabs and Terps with Chris Trevino. And he even had the little Enye over the end, so the, hom- he the homie recognizes. So shout out to him uh, cool. for making those for me.
2: I can't believe I missed it. This is incredible. First of all, he Photoshopped you on top of, like, Maryland.
0: Yeah, that's on campus, baby. Let's go. That booty on campus.
2: <laughs> and then what picture is this from?
0: Do you even know? I think it's middle school graduation. I don't know. My face looks a little warped. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there, but whatever. <laughs> I'm still about it. My head looks like a styrofoam peanut, but it's okay. It's okay. And with that note, let's get into the the fun ones. I don't have a lot, but That's fine. let's just let's just go with it. NCAA tournament, obviously, slapping the floor when you're on defense. Leave it. And <laughs> <laughs> someone had a great tweet that said,
1: "I don't remember exactly what they were complaining about. I think it was hanging on the rim um, after a dunk." He said that shouldn't be a technical, but slapping on the floor should be a technical. You don't I like understand. slapping on the floor? No. That's a Hoosiers type of thing. Leave it in high school. I would agree. They, wait, wait, wait. Apparently there was a group in unison. Yeah. I think Illinois, what, was it? I don't know. I forgot no. who, but They did a group slapping at the floor, and someone said they should be immediately eliminated from the tournament.
2: <laughs> no, they were like, they're going to get blown up by 80.
0: <laughs> Keeping with uh, that theme, screaming and one after every layup. Oh, it's happened so much this
1: year. (laughs) I I, love it. I love it. I I commented um, at at a baseball game just one of the effects of there not being fans in the stands is you hear all the chatter back and forth. And during basketball season, it's been interesting to hear some of the assistant coaches, what they're yelling at the players during it, which I find really fascinating. But it is mind-blowing how many times the phrase and one gets said during a basketball game and it's like every time anyone goes towards the the goal and one and one, you throw up a shot sometimes they don't even throw up a shot and someone's yelling at it one it's like what that didn't, that didn't make any sense
0: i wanted to be so muscle memory for someone that they just get a wide open layup and just go and one <laughs> just no one even close to them i like it who's the biggest offender for us
1: uh, ethan anderson probably <laughs> yells i'm it not surprised pretty much every time he goes to the basket um Chavez Goodwin just yells, especially, but he his is usually after a dunk or something. Um, but I think my guess would be Ethan Anderson just as much, and it's interesting because, like Evan Mobley will do it too. And he's so quiet, you're like, does he ever speak during a game? And then you'll you'll hear it uh, on the broadcast a little bit or you'll hear it in the arena.
2: This also made me realize that the mics in the regular season were way lower because now I feel like I hear like way more like, oh,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> than before. But I don't know.
1: It just depends on who's broadcasting it and what they're.
2: True. But speaking of repeating things over and over again with no purpose, I've been singing One Shining Moment for the last two weeks. <laughs> one
0: Shining Moment. I don't know any other words. <laughs> Besides One Shining Moment. Or The Ball Tips. And then it's downhill. I don't know anything else. If you're not hip to it, HBO released the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, which everyone has been talking about, and it's over four hours. So we in or out on a director's cut that is four hours.
2: Here's the thing. It's the director's cut. You're not forced to watch it. You can just see a different interpretation of the movie,
0: right? Yeah. I'll take it. Does that mean you're going to watch it?
2: No. I get (laughs) clowning on it. Like, that's fine, too.
0: Did you watch the
2: original? No. Okay. I just, for some reason, have a very decisive take on this.
1: I'm not fully... I don't know exactly the inner workings of how this is. Um, I, I'm okay with it. Cause I think it's a, I'm going to take it because it's an art form. And again, like, like Healy said, if you know what you're getting into when you're watching it, you know, the Irishman is what, like a three and a half hour long movie. You know, that getting in, it says it there on Netflix, which is why I have not watched it. I'm not watching a movie that's three and a half hours long. I need, you know, like three breaks in there for that. Uh, so you know, if you know what you're getting into and you choose that, then sure. What's I don't understand why people get so upset about things. He okay. says upsetly.
0: True. This is a little baseball. Um, I don't have the exact actual name. I, you guys might know it, but the Dodgers Roaming Fan Club putting up a thank you for Mookie Pantone Betts 2-49. sign. Pantone forty nine. There it is. Thank you. Says the
2: Angels fan.
0: <laughs> putting up a thank you for Mookie Bet sign right outside of Fenway Park.
2: Oh, I love it! But I thank love for Mookie. Yeah, thank you for Mookie. Betts. Yeah, yeah. You for Mookie Betts. I love pettiness, <laughs> all for it.
0: But then um, all the Red Sox fans were complaining. Like, oh, they shouldn't be allowed to do that.
2: Red Sox fans are trying <laughs> to complain. That's no. what I
0: was about to so say. I'll take it because it's outside of Fenway, and that's it. And I'm going to do a, and one because I like to do. A, <laughs> oh, we're doing like. It seems like we always end on some sort of story time. So I recently watched the last blockbuster, a documentary about the last blockbuster that ever exists. In Alaska, right? Uh, I believe. No, no, no. I believe it's in Oregon. Oh, my bad. There Sorry. was one in Alaska that closed down. But they were like the final two. Okay. Then one got closed down. Now the the, the last one is in Oregon, I believe. Um, so you might not even know what a blockbuster is.
2: Excuse me. I
0: feel like Shotgun knows all about that blockbuster. Life. I feel like he might have even been like a manager there. <laughs> no. After not. the cheese factory. Do you guys have memories of blockbuster?
2: Excuse me. Blockbuster was like the thing Friday night. Oh, okay. It'd be like, let's go to Blockbuster. I get a candy. I didn't usually get candy, so I got candy, and I got to ki- pick my kids' movie.
0: Shotgun, former manager of Blockbuster. <laughs> <What do> you- <laughs>
1: Never worked at Blockbuster.
0: You look like you would thrive at Blockbuster. I don't know why. You just seem like you would have a. It's not like a. Because you about
2: movies so dang much. It's
0: not a high stakes. I job. talk about
2: movies so much. Yeah, are you gonna shame the Blockbuster customers when they haven't seen movies too, like you do on this podcast?
1: I just shame you for not having seen any classics at all.
2: Yeah. And by
1: classics, I mean anything from 95 before. Like, that's not even that old.
2: Older than me, so yes.
1: I've seen movies that are older than me. Yeah, because you worked at a blockbuster. No, I didn't.
0: See, I don't know about any of this stuff. Wait, were you not not a blockbuster boy? (laughs) blockbuster boy? He's a helium boy, but you're not a blockbuster boy? (laughs) To be honest, my dad would just buy movies. (laughs) Oh, you had money like that. Oh, you had (laughs) money like that. Oh, he rich, rich. That's why blockbusters and rental places existed because VHSs were so expensive. They're like a hundred bucks. No,
1: they were nineteen ninety five. No, no, no. When they first came out, they were
0: like a hundred bucks. How old are you, Chris? I watched the documentary. Oh, so I know. I learned
1: it. Not when the VCR first was introduced. Yes, I'm talking about in the '90s when I was growing up. They were like 1995, or, you know, Walmart would have a dollar or $5 bin. My dad still buys stuff from bins, like $3 DVDs or something. I'm like, Dad, you've already seen this movie 300 times. It's on TV every time, and he still watches it. He's still got to buy it to have a copy. I don't understand it at all. So, yeah, he, my dad would just buy movies. Um, so we didn't rent movies. Our Friday night tradition was pizza and X-Files. So it was a TV show that was on. Oh. I didn't do that. Like the Jeopardy (laughs) theme song. (laughs) Yeah, that was more Jeopardy than. But me personally, I I always just watched live sports. So I didn't. I've never been a movie person. Rent movies. But you've been
0: in a blockbuster before.
1: Yes, I've been in a blockbuster. I'm sure. We actually had a different Hollywood. It was called Hollywood Videos type of store. Same type of thing. But okay. That
0: concludes and one. And
2: one. Alrighty. Well, that's gonna wrap up this episode of the family feud podcast this was the football portion be sure to stay tuned to the basketball portion all you bandwagon fans i see you i know you <laughs> want to listen to this podcast so be sure to stay tuned for that Get
0: that uh, that, uh bandwagon blocker
2: yeah exactly you gotta get it it's perfect
0: to throw in one
1: baseball note former Heard It on the sidelines podcast guest john thomas from the usc baseball team was named the pac-12 baseball player of the week this week
2: look at that nice all little uh closer no pun intended let's go also just for the record I've been singing One Shining Moment in my head since we started singing it so it's just there permanently
0: the ball is tipped.
2: <laughs> maybe I'll just have the outro be someone one shining. in this podcast <laughs> the outro is going to be One Shining Moment we'll see you next week
1: peace
0: ball is tipped. now was going to be stuck in my head all day